All right, folks, looks like we have another movie review today. We're going to be doing uh, Lauren Southern's uh, <clears throat> Farmlands, which is a very well-produced movie. So a little bit about Lauren Southern. She's a, uh, a right-wing figure, and she does uh, some good work. I, yeah, I'm not really too familiar with other things. I think she went – was she the one who went to Italy and, like, helped deport some people? Was that her? <laughs> okay, she – She's generally just a YouTuber who makes, like, commentary videos, but she went on this trip with, I believe she went with I, uh, Generation Identity, which is a uh, right-wing activist group in Europe, uh, but she went and stopped a bunch of, like, MGO boats or something. Like, I, I am still kind of confused exactly what she did, but she has a video on it. Yeah, well, she helped uh, stop people from coming into the Italy illegally, but anyways, you yeah. know, generally... She's done stuff like this, made YouTube videos, but this was just, like, by far, this is her, like, magnum opus, at least for right now. This was, like, a legit documentary. Like, I'd expect to go and pay, like, you know, $10 to use in the theater or even, like, have it pop up on Netflix. But good luck getting leftist Netflix to post yeah. this content. But anyways, you know, this was this was actually pretty good. I enjoyed watching it. It was very well produced. She went to South Africa and she did a uh, probably one of the most unbiased views of South Africa since you know just about anyone. Because like most of the time, it'll mostly be like complete leftist drivel, and it's just a great country, and the only people who complain about it are racists. Or it'll be like you know apartheid should have been going on until you know, should be going on to the stay. That's you get two general viewpoints, and the most common one to see is the leftist one, where they'll pretend there isn't an issue there, and that's why you don't see many many like news media reports on it because it's kind of the situation right now. It's pretty bad over there. I speak to uh, you know a couple people from South Africa, you know, fairly regular, fairly regularly, and it's generally one of those places you try to get out of. You know, so I guess it's not as bad as Chernobyl, but you know, you kind of want to get out of there, Talking especially. North Korea. Especially if you're like, it's like Venezuela, kind of, but for white people. Yeah. yeah. You know, like if you're white over there, and probably for the black people too, because like it's it's pretty bad right now. It's it's really not doing anyone any favors. Like just the amount of people who die over there, especially the farmers, which is what this is bringing up. Like at least for the white people, like there's just people dying all the time because there's like major violence issues in that country. It's always had a bit of a violent history, and she goes. She goes over the history at the beginning, talking about the um, you know their foundations from the VOC, yeah, like the 1600s, and then it goes into um, you know some of the more modern stuff like a Battle of Blood River, and that's where you know they kind of were you know, they had like a group of people, you know, the Boer people, they were like kind of ambushed by uh, some uh, Vokes, you know, some you know the uh, Zulus, and they kind of lied to them, they killed. Just, they just, like, massacred them, and they, at the Battle of Blood River, they kind of had their, like, it was almost like the Alamo, except for the uh, Boer actually won, you know, incredibly large, I think, like, one guy got injured, or, like, died on their side, and they, like, like just fended off, like, 20,000 uh, Zulu warriors, and I think they killed, like, several thousand before they just headed for the hills. And that was basically, you know, South Africa for a little while, and then after that, they kind of got screwed over by the British during the Second Boer War, where they had the first concentration camps. You know, they won't tell you that in history class. It was the British who were the first people of concentration camps. You know, it depends on what you consider concentration camps, but I think they refer to it as concentration camps. 
it was it was basically a tactic to go and stop the uh, boar from having this uh, sort of guerrilla warfare. And then the British took over until about like I think it was 1948, and then after that they had the uh, South African government. They became independent, and then that's when apartheid happened. So from like 48 to 94, you know, there was some pretty strict rules against people who weren't white in there. And then you know Nelson Mandela came over. And it was all peachy for the leftist media after that, except if you lived over there, you would see some uh, very disturbing things, like there was a black economic empowerment, which is basically like diversity quotas, but like on steroids. Like, yeah. This yeah. Like, this is like affirmative action times two. Like, it's based on, like, they can't be, they can't have more like white people than the population makeup of the country in a company. So, like, there's like I think six or seven percent of white people make up South Africa's population. So like if you're, they can only hire that much if you want to have a government contract. I think so. It's it's kind of like really terrible, and that's why you see a lot of people going to farming. Because yeah, and the guy said I think one of the farmers said that like he could only hire um, no more than eight uh, percent white people in his you know uh, farm. Yeah, like, it's pretty bad over there. And, like, generally, like, if you go in the cities like Cape Town, yeah, Johannesburg, I think they, like, generally you're going to want to have, like, a bodyguard with you. And, like, you have to have people, like, looking at your cars because, like, they'll be carjacked pretty fast over there. It's it's the entire world. It's just really sad. Like, I think they described in the documentary, it was either documentary or some of the videos associated with it. She did some other ones beforehand mm. where it was described as, like, you're living a room-to-room -room existence in that country. Like, you have to go and have your... You don't really go outside all that much, like, because you can't. Yeah. Like, I guess if you're a farmer, you kind of have to, but you generally have, you know, weapons on you if you can get a hold of them, which it's pretty hard now because I think it was, like, 2001 or 2003, they made it so, like, it's really hard to get a gun license. Like, back... I think it was, like, before then, it was, like, somewhat closer to America, but now it's, like probably closer to Europe, and in this country, if you don't have a gun, you know, you have to gun resort to other methods to protect yourself, which suck, like using paintball guns, like no joke. They have like a paintball gun store that looks like a legit gun store in America yeah. because that's, you know, the, that's what most people can afford. Well, and also that paintball store was, you know, the, she was describing how, you know, some people would use paintball guns with like, not really painting them like these sort of nylon balls as sort of a deterrent. You know, they weren't even, some people weren't using bullets, but of course people did have guns with bullets. But that store was robbed, you know, uh, multiple times. And it was robbed like right after Lauren uh, interviewed her. And so they had to shut down and I think they moved out of the country too. But, you know, you see that for a bunch of these uh, cases where like, I think the one farmer seemed to describe it best. When I think it was it was a he or she said it's like the wild wild west like it, that's the impression I did get from this documentary is that you know South Africa right now is like the wild west in the farmlands especially like it's it's not the far left idea of oh everything's peachy and nothing's you know there's nothing wrong and it's not really the far right idea where like it's a white genocide and you know. It kind of is, like, Lauren in the beginning says, like, she was expecting to be somewhere in the middle. And it kind of is, but it's kind of, like, leaning toward that genocidal side. Like, it, 
the impression, like, it was a pretty unbiased view of it. It was, you know, it was obviously, maybe you could argue a little bit of a slant, but it was pretty unbiased. Like, she let the people speak and describe it for her. Like, she didn't inject her opinion in it. And it basically felt like, you know, a crisis, I'd say. Like, that's the level I'd put this as, a crisis, where there's, you know, racism happening and all kinds of bad things. And, you know, people were not only dealing with the crime, but also droughts that were happening for their farms. You know, it's basically a sucky place to live. Like, that's how I, you know, I wouldn't want to live there, to be honest. And, you know, Lauren Southern reflected on that as she got home and said, you know, it's a lot. You know, I was kind of relieved to be home. Well, yeah, like, it's definitely... I think, like, maybe back in the, in the 1800s, like, pre-apartheid, I'd call it, like, more like the Wild West. Today, it's just, like, I guess you could say it's like the Wild West, but it's worse. Yeah. Like, you can't even defend yourself. Like, at least for the Wild West, you can get guns to defend yourself. Like, over here, it's just, like, a losing battle. You know, it's something's going to happen soon. It's going to be big. Like, they told them multiple times that if, like, you have another, that, like, a protest of farmers they had, it was, like, mm. Black Friday or something or Black Monday or Thursday. It was some day of the week. And they had the protests then, and they said, "Oh, if you do this again, you know, we won't, we can't be held responsible if there's like a civil war that breaks out." Yeah, it's like that level. Like I have a feeling that within the next like you know five ten years, if that, there is going to be a massive, you know, either civil war, race war, something in South Africa. Especially if you look at the rhetoric that you know the people in power and the people yeah. like the politicians are using, like mostly like 100 on the at least from what I've heard, on the uh, the left of, of their country, like the uh, you know the, uh, the the black population, like the, a lot of their uh, politicians, like we had they had the one girl, like the one black girl, and she was saying um, it was really scary some of the stuff she was saying. It's like oh. We'll take, yeah, we're going to take these farmlands uh, by force if necessary. And, like, she was saying she wants to go and she wanted, she was going to go and do it. Like, that they will do it. And another person says, oh, we'll change the law so we can go and take the land. Like, it's yeah. just, and then they had, I think it was, like, Malema. It was one of the, uh, was it Julius Malema? It was, it was one of the guys, like, they had a politician in there. He was, I think, president for a while. I think he may have just left. I forget his name, but uh, he was, this guy was a piece of work. This wasn't in the documentary, but I've seen, like, news articles where, like, he admitted to raping a girl because she wore, he was, he was like, oh, it's okay, because I'm a Zulu warrior, and uh, she was wearing a short skirt, I couldn't help myself, and the girl had AIDS, and he said, oh, well, you know, I, I took a bath afterwards to prevent <laughs> AIDS. Yeah, like, that makes everything was, better. Yeah, this guy's so stupid. And there was another guy, I don't know if this was the same guy, when it was like the president, who couldn't even like count. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Madonna, I think Top Gear or uh, the Grand, Grand Tour. Tour. Yeah. yeah, they had that. It's just like, this, these are the people who are being elected over there. Like, that's pretty no, bad. This, like, they, that's, that's not okay to have in anything that wants to consider itself a relatively first world nation. Like, it used to be a first world country, like, back in the day, you know, that's terrible as of sound during apartheid. They, had, they were a nuclear power. You know, most people don't want to talk about that. But they were a nuclear power, and they had, you know, as terrible as it was for the black community, they, their standard of living was probably, you know, probably better than it was now. I'd, I'd, I'd ration this even say, not that it was okay, but it was probably better than, you know, they didn't have these sort of droughts from what I understand 
that they do now. Like they had a lot of sanctions. It was, you know, they had a lot of requirements, but the amount of violence, I think they kept that in check, you know, generally. And what they were all saying in the documentary is that, uh, cause those first two people she interviewed that were like crime scene investigator, kind of like CSI people, um, that, you know, not only these very brutal murders, but the numbers that the government gives out saying, you know, the crime rate is much lower than what they were believing it was. Like, they think that, you know, the numbers are much higher. So, you know, not like a crazy amount higher, but, you know, higher than what the government says. So it sounds like there's just deep corruption just in the government alone. Cause like you were mentioning, like, there's, like, these uh, land laws that, like, they're trying to take the land, and a lot of these very radical extremist groups, like that one girl, which was a kind of a fringy group, but, uh... you know, gaining some steam. And I'll then the government's the doing some of their stuff. Yeah, look up was it the ECA, the EFF? I believe that's the name of them. They're a uh, they're a growing political party, and they're starting to rival the ANC. And they demand they they demand the ability to go and take land without compensation. And if they yeah. do that, it's going to be another uh, Zimbabwe situation. Like they did that in Zimbabwe, they took the land, and then you know a couple years later, you get what we got now, and. It's like they have a bunch of these farms and no one knows how to farm because they've never been taught. Yeah. And then and you I don't remember, have an economy. You don't have any resources. Yeah, they used to be used to be able to have farms. They have great mineral resources. They should be, you know, a fairly wealthy country, but the politicians are so corrupt over there. Like I read another article. It was I think uh, it was either Malema or whoever the other guy, or Zuma, but that was his name, the guy who raped someone and admitted to it. And it's still in politics, to my knowledge. Like he uh, he got a a giant swimming tool put into his house, and he was able to go and write it off because he said it was a uh, fire suppression system. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, and they didn't they didn't mention that. They didn't even mention that in the documentary. Like, there's just so much, and she did a good job given the amount of time it was. But like, you could make like multiple documentaries about how corrupt this place is. Oh yeah. It's, and then, like, it's not even just the white farmers, too. Like, just in general, it's it's a terrible place to live. And the taxes over there, they're sky high because, like, I think a lot of people don't work in that country. And, like, they they end up, like, having to go and support them with a few people who do make money. The infrastructure's just god-awful over there. Like, you know, the roads are falling apart. The buildings, you know, everything, like, I think pre-1994 never really got restored too well. So it's they're just kind of riding off that same thing that Zimbabwe did, you know, after the fall of Rhodesia. They kind of just ran off of that old infrastructure. And that's what's going on right now. And it's honestly, you know, as sad as it is to say, economically that country was probably better. Now there they there's an alternative that they could go and do that's not that's neither of the two systems. I don't know what that alternative is, but they're gonna have to go and work on it because what they're doing right now is just gonna involve if they kick out all the white people, which I which you know, they're some of the most well-educated people in that country, you know, say whatever you know you will. But if they end up kicking out every single white person from the country, they're not going to have nearly as many like engineers to go and fix things, which is which is right now what the problem is because they can't employ them because of the black economic empowerment. They can't employ the engineers and the technicians and the scientists because most of them are not uh, African. They're not black. And what um, you know, people are probably thinking right now is like with you know, all this stuff we're listening of how bad it is and 
taxes and all that, you're probably thinking, oh, why don't the farmers leave? You know, why don't they leave? Like, if it's so bad, you know, well, some of them are leaving, but as they were saying in the documentary, it's very expensive to leave. And these people don't make a big living. Unless you're like, he's like these engineers that are basically keeping the economy, like, together somewhat. You know, it's not like you can just pick up and leave. And that's, like, the case with a lot of, you know, uh, countries, especially like South Africa. You know, they just can't just leave. I mean, you know, lots of people want to keep the South African culture and preserve it and all that. You know, they were kind of showing at the end there some of the um, uh, people that were saying why they didn't want to leave. But uh, back to the, you know, because uh, I wanted to touch on the production values documentary. It was a very, very well-produced documentary. For an hour long, a little over an hour long, hour and 15 minutes, you, free YouTube documentary created by an independent YouTuber like, is impressive. You know, I know she went with her friend Kaylin Robertson, who's a filmmaker and some of an activist who helps out with Tommy Robinson and his stuff. He did a majority of the filmmaking aspect of it and the editing of it, I believe. And, you know, he's a very talented individual and did a great job. You know, they shot on a bunch of DSLRs. It was well lit for the interviews. Um, you know, the drone shots were really cool, beautiful, showing the great scenery and all that. Those, those were, you know, amazing. Uh, color corrected very well. The graphics at the beginning part when they were talking about the history of the country, of how they sort of got to where they are now, was very well done. You know, the graphics looked good. Uh, you know, everything was really well done except... You know, a few little, like, production things that just, you know, kind of may look a tiny bit unprofessional if you know these things. Like, there was one part where she was interviewing this girl, and they kind of left the mic on the table on, like, a glass. And, like, you saw the mic in the shot, and I was like, you know, you could have moved that out of the shot. Like, I didn't really understand why that was there. You know, that just doesn't look good. Um, and there was, like, this uh, black dot on the lens that was quite visible, you know, for multiple shots, and I was like, you know, usually just, you know, you don't, you're not supposed to really see those sort of things, but, you know, that's minor stuff, you know, it's like little nitpicks, but other than that, like, it's just really well done, um, you know, and you got to see multiple perspectives of the farmers and the murders that they've experienced of family members, but she also interviewed, like you said, the, uh, the black uh, politician that was kind of pro-government, uh, and you also got the extremist uh, group of that girl that was basically saying to take the land and not give them any compensation. And you had that guy at the end that was from like basically like an ethno state in South Africa um, that was talking about their area, the president of that area. So you got like all these different perspectives. And the farmers, you know, one was two of them, or sorry, they weren't, I don't know, they weren't farmers, the two uh, crime scene investigated people. And then, of course, the farmers. So you got, like, all these different perspectives, which is what journalists are supposed to do, and especially for a documentary. So she did her, her homework, and she did her job well, like, better than a lot of some other journalists out there. Like, she actually did journalism, being on the site in South Africa and doing this stuff. Uh, so I can't wait to see what more documentaries she produces, because this is, you know, her first one. It was already got half a million views, and it's, you know, highly praised. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it was very well done. There's a couple things, like you mentioned, I didn't really pick up on it, but all in all, I thought it was pretty good. 
Now, as for like what what can they really do? Like outside of having a foreign uh, assist, like foreign intervention in their government, which I think might have to happen. I have a feeling we're going to end up getting like a uh, hotel Rwanda sort of situation in there in a couple years if nothing changes, or if it keep, yeah, if it just keeps going yeah. on this current path, it probably will. Like and the whole uh, Orania, which was the uh, ethno state, you know, that's I think what might end up having to go and like become the um, become the new norm of that country if they want to go and like prosper because there's so much like deep seated hatred over there. Yeah, I think like you know that that seems like to be the only place where they don't have to worry about like being murdered for their you know their skin color. And, the, and I don't know if you mentioned it, but they did have, like, black homelands in that country, which were significantly larger than Iranian, where no white people were allowed to live. Yeah, yeah. So I think instead of, like, a rainbow nation, it's going to be coming more like a bunch of ethno states, like, broken up in there. And that's a sad thing. You know, yeah. maybe if things could have been done better, like, you know, maybe they didn't have apartheid, you know, things could have changed. But at this rate, you can't change the past. But... I you can only, yeah, sorry. You can only really change the future, and I don't really know any other way for, like, either that or just all the whites end up getting kicked out, and the only real place I know that's even accepting these refugees is uh, Australia. Like, I talked to someone who's trying, like, who's South African, he's trying to go and leave, and his wife was, like, British, but the people, you know, they're trying to go and, like, get her and him and him and his wife in there and like they're being very condescending to him and accusing him of racism but like you know that's not right either so i think maybe if the united states offer takes some of these you know refugees but you know we already have our hands full with immigration at the moment so i don't yeah. know what the right solution to this is yeah i think there's not really going to be a solution i think what's probably going to happen i don't think there's going to be a civil war I think just the whites are going to leave. They're going to get enough money or something, and they're just going to leave one way or another. Um, and the reason, like, if people are confused as to why we keep saying white and black and all about this, because it's not like America where things are divided among class or, you know, uh, political affiliation. In South Africa, it really is race is, like, the biggest divider. And there's still deep-seated racism between both sides. And... You know, what the problem is, like like you were mentioning in the documentary shows, is there's literally a giant black ethnostate where whites aren't allowed and there's a white ethnostate where blacks aren't allowed. And, you know, in between it is the farmlands and the cities and all this other stuff. It's just a big mess and there's hatred on all these sides that I, I honestly don't know how you fix that. Uh, you know, because the government isn't helping in any way when they're president was uh i think it was the president was doing that dance where he was chanting a song that said like death to whites or something it's like you know that's not building bridges that's not helping people you know and i honestly like i said i don't know how you fix it i don't think you can or will i think it's just going to get worse and the whites are going to leave and you know you're going to end up with you know whatever is left of it yeah i just think that their culture is probably going to be either destroyed or just transferred to whatever country they decide to all move to. And yeah. the one thing I was kind of sad I didn't touch up on was, I, I think I was reading a, um, a couple news articles, and there's been a lot of, like, uh, influence from Asia within them recent, like, within South Africa recently. Like, oh, I know, yeah. like, there's a bunch of, like, politicians, from what I understand, who are of Indian descent, who got, like, in some massive corruption scandal. I know yeah. it wasn't... 
I, I guess she probably didn't talk about it because that it was about farmlands. But I think that you know maybe it's India and China. They might be starting to go and like look into um, you know almost colonizing South Africa because you know, the whites are leaving, which is bringing up a whole new opportunity for that for other countries to go and invest into South Africa and take the rich, just like the, the amount of diamonds they have over there. If they like actually had access to all those without like De Beers and these con these other companies uh, doing their thing, mm -hmm. it would devalue like diamonds to the point where they're nearly worthless. Like they have so many natural resources that aren't even being utilized right now. It's sad. Oh wow! But yeah, I think that was um, last of my thoughts. Anything from you? Uh, last thing I'll say is that yeah, I'll put the link to the documentary in the description in case any of you are interested in checking it out. It is definitely, I would say, worth watching. You know, if you just want, you know, if you don't know anything about South Africa in general or this situation, it educates you on that and gives, you know, the f multiple perspectives of what's happening now. And the documentary really doesn't take a side on anything, which is like I like because Lauren is obviously a right wing, you know, YouTuber. And it, it, it's, it's just interesting, you know, because not many people are talking about this. So I encourage anyone that's just interested in, the South Africa uh, farming crisis just to watch it. Because it, the one thing I would say as a takeaway is it is definitely a crisis. And I definitely felt that more than ever watching what these families were going through. Like, it's a very dangerous country. And that's why you're seeing some of these like, little militia groups form that, like, are housing lots of weapons because they fear a civil war. But I don't think, personally, I don't think that's really going to happen. But uh, regardless, I do, you know, I was... You know, reminds me why I'm very grateful, especially coming up on this Fourth uh, of July. Very grateful to be an American, to live in such a safe, nice country, even though we have our problems. Because South Africa, man, it's a mess. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. But just uh, one last thing, you know, this really did show you that you know. Uh, was apartheid that was terrible but the current situation's bad too you know i'm yep. not really recommending one over the other i think both of those were just bad but the current yep. situation cannot continue to exist as it does but uh, anyways you know watch the movie make your own opinions but all in all great documentary would recommend again yep same here uh thanks everybody for tuning in to another real review we'll be back again with another movie or documentary or whatever we watch uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys later. All right, see ya.